0: Welcome back to the State of Play podcast episode 42. I'm your host today, Pep Barisha. I am, of course, joined by my co-host as usual, uh, Matt Santangelo. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Good to have uh, football back up and running, of course. A lot of announcements coming this past week uh, with the other top leagues, so uh, we'll dive headfirst into that. But overall, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Weather's been Really nice, and um, yeah, starting to kind of uh, enjoy getting out of the way any way I can.
0: And we're also joined by Martino Puccio. How you doing, mate? Uh, not bad, just been watching
2: a lot more Bundesliga for the first time. I don't know, probably since the start of last summer because I just watch whatever comes out first and then I kind of fade away once all the American sports start up again. But <laughs> But um, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Um, they've been giving us a lot of games because of the shortened weeks and everything. Bayern and Dortmund was a great watch. And uh, as we are talking right now, Dortmund is struggling just to get on the board against Paderborn. So mm. that's for all those people who thought uh, the MLS would dominate um, <laughs> in the Bundesliga just because Paderborn's a weaker side. Uh
0: I did see something crazy that they've got a budget of something like 23,000 euros, which is mad to think about. I don't know if that is that is the smallest budget I've ever seen. That's something that you see on like Football Manager when you go for the like really, really tough version of a team where they have like budget restrictions. But anyway, uh, we've got some pretty exciting news, don't we, Matt?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, I don't know if, if, you want to go along with it. You can. If not, I can make mention to you can kind of elaborate more on it, but, um, yeah, we are are delighted to announce that we've become a finalist in the 2020 football content awards. Um, as a best new content creator, now of course, uh, many of you are probably familiar with it. Listening to it, what that means for us—it's a very important uh, accomplishment for us. Although we haven't won anything, uh, we definitely appreciate the support you guys have—you have given us—in order to get to this position. But um, I know our our our, uh, our man over here, Pet, has won an award for a separate thing. So, Pet, I guess you want to give them a little bit more information on this, and ultimately, what the process is going to be to support us if they want.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I was very, very fortunate to win the uh, judges um, best gambling content creator award in 2019 with my um, football index guide, uh, kind of brand YouTube channel, Twitter account, um, podcast, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think, I don't know how many months ago it was now but I, I kind of said to the guys like you know we should just throw our hat in the ring you know we kind of fit this category why don't we just do it even if there's an off chance and honestly like I was super super over the moon when we got the email the other day saying that we would be uh, a finalist a short a list for the category and essentially the process is you guys can vote for us via Twitter, Instagram or just via the website And we'll leave all those links down in the description below. Uh, You can find them on our podcast website. You'll be sure as hell seeing us tweet it a hell of a lot. Uh, And yeah, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for uh, the last year or so, then, uh, you know, really, really appreciate if you tweet about it, put it on your story, comment on the Instagram post and vote on the website. I mean, we super appreciate it. If we Mm -hmm. go out and win it, we'll be uh, really, really proud and happy with it.
1: I think it's also a testament to the... um you know, not only the work that we've done uh, throughout this entire you know journey, I think it, we started in July 2018, but, um, you know, Martino coming on to help further this thing for us and to deliver a more enjoyable experience for you guys as a listener. Uh, with all your support uh, lumped in there, I think, you know, it's something that we've built you and you as a listener and us with the podcast the state of play to get to this position so we really do appreciate it and of course we'll um we'll make sure that we we leave all the information on how to vote for us and to uh you know support us in this this upcoming event
0: yeah we'll probably have it as a pin tweet or something and yeah, we'd super absolutely. super appreciate if uh we get your vote so yeah uh hopefully you guys can uh you know Take two, three minutes out of your day and, and help us out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. Um, well, guys, let's get into it. I mean, we've since the last episode had the Premier League confirmed by both government and the FA, Serie A and La Liga both confirmed. I think Matt, we touched on those impending, um, you know, rumored dates for La Liga and Serie A, but Premier League is also back, and it seems as though football is going to be essentially completely back apart from Liga in France by the twentieth of June which is and, the,
1: uh, and, and, the, and the, uh, the Dutch first division I think they yes. called their league too but then uh, the uh, Portuguese league a lot of these main leagues are coming back and of course I know we tend our kind of focus for this podcast is on Europe's top five and MLS so that's typically why we tend to focus on and have focused on the, um, the possible restarting of those leagues but just want to make mention that football in general as a collective across the globe things are starting to open up and we're starting to kind of get football back into our everyday lives which is something to to be happy about,
0: yeah, it's really really great, and I think uh, you know the the first game that Arsenal play is Man City away, which is obviously going to be <laughs> very hard. <laughs> I think I was speaking to Martino before saying that the, I think the Milan have Juventus away in the cup first. Yep,
2: they, yeah, they do. They it's, have to go over to Juve. They don't have Ibrahimovic, Teo Hernandez, and Samuel Casillo, so they have three yeah, of their best the guys out. <laughs> They just drew in the last minute on uh, one of the bogus uh, penalty uh, handball rules that Serie a came up with, um, where it's like it, it doesn't matter on the intent of the player. If it hits your hand at all, um, it's going to be a penalty. So they had that. And um, listen. I'm terrified of a Cristiano Ronaldo off a long break where he has no competitions to really worry about. So you know what I mean. They're not juggling against that match in Lyon. I think it'll probably be a throttling, to be honest with you. But that's the optimist in me. So <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, I mean, as we as we um, speak, I think Jaden Sancho has just scored and taken yep. off his top with uh, Justice for George Floyd on his top. So I think you know one of the first things that we want to talk about. We're obviously we describe ourselves as political guys or political a political podcast but this is much more than politics I think what's been happening over in the country that you guys live in in America is uh, more of a human rights uh, protest and conversation and I think players like uh, Marcus Turam who we saw take a knee today uh, when he scored against Union Berlin and now Jaden Sanchez scoring against Paderborn taking his top off with um, justice for George Floyd on his top uh really great to see not only players but uh broadcasters football clubs taking uh, and using their platforms to kind of spread the message
1: yeah absolutely I think there's been a lot of um you know there's it's it's not it's it's one of those you know another one of those examples of where it's more than a sport more than a game and I think you know it it was only a matter of time I think once everything's gotten to social media once word got out it got out um you know U.S. media and kind of dove into, you know, different markets and different parts of the world, I think it was only a matter of time before everyone started like rallying around this, kind of being vocal and expressive about it. And, you know, this, I think, was probably the first set of games. I think you know, mm. there were some midweek games and there were some things on Friday, Thursday and stuff, but generally speaking, this was the first like weekend of football where I think a lot of people were really focused on the games themselves, had a lot of time on their hands and they were focused to see like what the reaction and responses would be. And of course, as you mentioned Marcus Taram, um, Weston McKinney had an arm on the Secretary mm. of Justice for George Floyd too. So it's it's already made its way out there. And I think it's very important that um, you know, it, it gets out into uh, the rest of the world and you know everyone knows kind of what the race race, race relations. excuse me and things what are what are what are happening in this country because it's very important um you know it's not just something that affects you know we've seen it many times or how many times have we talked about it in previous episodes and we see yeah um you know week to week right there's always some sort of you know racial slur racial chants by certain fans and stuff like that so it's definitely not just a football problem it's not just a u.s problem it's a it's a world problem and i think Mm. the fact that the world's game is shedding light on this specific matter this past week you know between um you know some some of these these deaths here these are these avoidable deaths not unavoidable avoidable deaths um you know i think it's definitely very important that we do at least touch on it a little bit as of course as you said you know we're not political podcast we're not trying to you know lean in one way or the other or talk about this and that but you know It's important for us to use our platform and the limited platform that that we have um, to shed light on
0: this. Yeah, I saw a really good tweet. I think it was like, no matter how big or small your platform is, if you can shed light on it th- than do. And I, I suppose yeah. that's exactly what we're doing it by what we're doing by, by talking about the the kind of injustice that we're seeing out, out in the U S and, and kind of, uh, yeah, the really sad scenes that we're seeing over in the U S and, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of touched on that a little bit in the podcast before with, uh, Mario Balotelli, uh, mm-hmm. Danny Rose and, and so many other footballers. And, um, now I think it's great to just see footballers, uh, you know, broadcasters. Football's football is unified clubs. in this yeah, effort I'm, and I think this yeah. is a
1: huge thing. You're seeing, you know, even Nike, Nike put out something, Adidas <laughs> put out something and I know people are very touchy on like when brands put out stuff because, yeah. you know, they're, I think they're sometimes and again, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, you know, accuse anyone of anything but, you know, I think it's, they, they, they some people are very wishy-washy on that but I think generally speaking in terms of what we see in football culture in terms of not only just clubs and players but like you know brands Mm -hmm. and things like that like it's a we're all unified in the same effort to combat racism uh, to combat injustice and all that stuff so I think it's very important and and I'm happy that we're using our our audience our platform here to to bring that to the attention of you guys
0: Awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that everyone out in the US is staying safe and uh, you guys continue to stay safe, of course. Uh, we, we did want to talk a little bit about um, Marcus Turan and Timo Werner over in Germany, because obviously Bundesliga is the only football that we've got on currently. Mentioned Marcus Turam but two goals today against Muni in Berlin. He's a Mino Royola client. So I don't think this is the last time we're going to be speaking on uh, about him in this podcast. But he looks fantastic player. Obviously, Lilian Turan's uh, son. And he's, he's setting the the league on fire. I mean, he's come from essentially the worst team in France to becoming, you know, a top forward in the Bundesliga. Uh, he was really, really good in France. He was one of the only reasons that um, his respective team had a chance of staying up. But he's really taken that step up and uh, uh, alongside Asana Play and obviously the great coaching staff that they have a Gladbach, He's now really progressing, isn't he, Matt?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. He's a player that, you know, I think everyone looks at the surname, right. They always say, i like, okay, mm. like he's, you know, what's, what's the, what's the deal with him? What's the rundown. And I think, you know, from the, from the matches that I've watched, you know, again, I'm not going to say I'm a, you know, I, I'm an expert on him or expert on Bundesliga or expert on his kind of career to date. I think when you watch him play, uh, you know, you could quite see that he's got like a lot of talent in there. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's in his gene pool, right? It's in his genetics, right? It just comes from a family of footballers and, you know, between him and Plie, um, Alassane Plie, I think I'm maybe saying that incorrectly, so I apologize. (laughs) But between them two players, I think they've been a breath of fresh air. They've been very excited to watch play harmonizingly um, since the restart. And I think, you know, those are, those are two players that, you know, with all this, these eyes and attention concentrated, on the Bundesliga until the other leagues restart. I think it's going to really open up the, um, the market for some of these players that, you know, maybe otherwise would kind of get lost in the shuffle of all the, the football that's happening. People are looking at these and honing in at these games and saying, wow, this league has a lot to offer, um, you know, and, and I think it's it's only going to grow from them. And I was even talking to, not to go too much of the rumors, but uh, Manuel Veth, who we had on a previous episode, um, you there was apparently, you know, Borussia Dortmund's looking to get a striker. Either they'll bring back Isak from the, on loan from Real Sociedad, who's had a great year for them in La Liga, or they may decide to sell him and get Jonathan David, of course, the really coveted Canadian mm. international who's playing in Belgium. So there always seems to be some sort of great talent coming into this league, and I think we're, we're, those who are unfamiliar with Bundesliga are really starting to see that um, now more than ever, or now more than, than what we have recently.
0: Mm. Martino, any thoughts on Marcus? Um, look, I think it's just
2: another product of the whole environment of the league itself. I think a lot of the big names that we've seen in recent years come out, aside from France, because we've seen a lot of talents come out of France. But I mean, think of all the names we've had just in recent years that have come to Germany and have transferred out to to bigger clubs. And we're going to see it this summer too, right? Who knows if Erling Holland will get sold already. (laughs) I bet he'll stay another year. But I mean, we just saw Jaden Sancho score again. Um, Christian Pulisic is another one, and I think it's just great for our American listeners too, because Gio Giorgini is a, another player that's up and coming in this. And it's and the greater part is it's not just your traditional Dortmunds of the world, right? You're getting mm. players from Munchen Gladbach, you're getting players from RB Leipzig as well. Um, so so it's great to see more than a few players because I think the general consensus of a lot of fans and and casual uh viewers is that it's just Bayern Munich and then occasionally Dortmund has their teams that'll make things interesting but the league is much deeper than that and there's so much talent and uh, Durham is just one of the many players as well and uh we all know Kai Havertz I I just had to get his name he's just been Mm. absolutely unbelievable you know just bouncing back from that midweek game where Leverkusen looked terrible and to come back on uh A short day's rest again and score. Uh, I mean, he's setting records too. It's just Mm. unbelievable.
0: He looks really fantastic. And playing, I've always looked at Havertz and thought he might end up playing a little bit deeper than the 10 but it 's really, really come to surprise to me, who you know i class myself as someone who 's watched quite a lot of football, that he 's ended up well not ended up, but he's he 's looking really comfortable in that false nine role or number nine role. so it 'd be really interesting to see where he ends up, uh, both kind of on the pitch but also off the pitch because uh, whether it 's Bayern or one of the other big big clubs in Europe, I think he 's got an amazing future ahead of him and you know go, just going back to Gladback really quickly, Marco Rose, their manager, has made a really massive impact coming in from uh, Salzburg, of course. And uh, they obviously look really, really great as a, as a unit. They have every chance of getting into the top four in the what remains of this season in the Bundesliga. But um, I mean, the other player that I want to talk, talk a little bit about, because uh, I was always one of those guys that thought Timo Werner would just end up at Bayern. But it seems as though it's now a full frontal assault from Liverpool and many other Premier League clubs. Uh, I mean, since we've come back, he's scored like five or six goals, is it? Or is it two hat-tricks? Um,
1: yeah, he. I know he had a hat trick recently.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think he had yeah. two. I it's think not two. It it's it's five. It's five. I think five mm-hmm. goals, isn't it, or oh, something like that. he scored a lot of goals. That's all that <laughs> matters. Um, but you know, is he? Is he gonna? Is he gonna start that kind of trend of maybe players not going to Bayern anymore and looking to go to a to a United, to a Liverpool, to a Chelsea? Because uh-huh. I mean, I look at Havertz and Werner, and I'm not sure Bayern is the best fit for either of them. But neither was. Yeah. It for Mario Goetze, maybe not Hummels when they first went, and they managed to establish themselves as great players. Lewandowski, as well, of course, probably fit in straight away. But uh, what are your thoughts here? Well,
2: um, I think, oh yeah, go ahead, man.
1: I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Martina. I think with it's interesting with you know all the conversation being had about uh, you know it's Bayern Munich league. They always they, they have a monopoly on it, right? And I think if if you're a young footballer and you have options and I you know you're always maybe hearing certain things you're, you're seeing how the league maybe is perceived as it's Bayern dominated. And to an extent, yeah, I would say that's the case, right? You know, they, they, they seem like they're not slowing up. They seem like a team that's not going to relinquish their, their title, their title rights. So if you're a young player and you have that interest from abroad, there's something in you that again, everyone's different. Some people, if they're getting paid well and they can just continually clean up and mop up in domestic domestic silverware, by all means, some players opt for that. But if you're a guy like Kai Havertz or Timo Werner, and you see the the global notoriety, the big money, and the the draw overall from you know the Premier League with like a Liverpool or like a Real Madrid can bring you, I think there's a lot of motivation and there's somewhat of a challenge to step outside. Um, you know the Bundesliga and the, the comfort of hey I'm just going to go to Bayern I'm going to clean up I'm to be cozy I'm going to win my title and away we go some of these players they like to be challenged they like to be in a team where they got to compete they're around a lot of superstars they have ambitions they like that competitive nature and it you know that maybe that's something that is, is crossing Timo Wern's mind because I think everyone assumed you know to your point Pet that, that Werner was destined for Bayern, right? I think everyone, it's almost one of those things where it's like, oh, he's a good German player or he's playing in the Bundesliga, he's going to go to Bayern yeah. or he's going to maybe go to Borussia Dortmund. But I just think that, you know, the money's going to talk, at the end of the day, Kai Havertz will have his pick, will have a lot of options, um, which is a great thing Then he definitely deserves to have that choice. But uh, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if these two players are able to, you know, they want to stay in, in, in uh, the Bundesliga or they want something a little bit more uh, of a challenge elsewhere. And of course, when you're a young player, I think you could always come back to Germany. You could always, you know, or you come back to your other league. But I think when you're in those prime years, like maybe like a team Owners, like 23, 24, 25, not necessarily mm, as prime, but he's already accomplished quite a bit in the Bundesliga. So I think, you know, he may be in that position where, hey, I could go play under Jurgen Klopp I could play under a team that's tailor-made to have a dynasty here, which they already currently are, kind of, Um, once they do clean up the title this year for the first time in 30 years. You kind of throw these elements in there, and there's so much draw to leave, um, you know, your comfort zone for a bigger and brighter challenge. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. But I think, you know, because of how highly sought after these two players are, the fact that they are German and the fact that they are cleaning up in the Bundesliga, there is something to be said about, you know, you know what you're going to get when you stay in that league, you know, what Bayern offers you, you know what Bayern has offered so many others before you. So there's a lot of guarantees. And I think sometimes that's also what a player tends to gravitate towards, but you know, we'll have to see how that shapes up.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how exactly those two transfers go through, if they go through at all this summer. I mean, Leipzig are building quite a team there. I mean, I wonder if Timo Werner looks at Liverpool and goes, well, I could go there. I might not start every game. I might start like 60% of the games and he might look at Bayern the same. But at Leipzig is the main man. He's under an amazing coach in Nagelsmann. He's probably going to stay there for the next 12 to 18 months, uh, 12 to 24 months probably. And he might be tempted to stay there because I mean, they look really scary whenever they're good Leipzig. So that's the other thing. Habits I think is one that would definitely leave in the next 12 months. But Werner... You know, if you were like to me, he stays for the next 12 months. I wouldn't be so surprised at all. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the first big transfer to go through, aren't we now, Matt?
1: Yes, so this has somewhat been um, discussed previously. This is not something that's new. This has been a, an ongoing conversation. But uh, it's finally been made official that Mari Cardi has completed an official full-on agreement to join. Uh, was it, was it an option to buy,
0: Mark? Ma- Ma- there, there was an
1: option to buy. The option okay. to buy, I think, was so it was an obligation. 30- Yeah, it was a 70 million euro option to buy. I think it's been negotiated down to, from what I've read, uh, 50 million plus, I think seven to 8 million in bonuses. And there's also uh, another addition to that um, into the terms of the deal, where um, if he sold to another Italian team, like let's say he, you know, PSG decided, hey, we're going to get cute. And we want to flip him to Juve because Juve were very much interested in him. Then Inter will recoup another fifteen million. Now, of course, you obviously don't maybe know all the details to it, but generally speaking, I think if it's it's a win win move in my opinion for for both clubs. PSG get um, a replacement for Maury, not for Maury Cardiff, for Edison Cavani, excuse me, um, who is on a, on a, about to walk probably on, a, on his uh, contract expiration. You get a player who's also proven he could do it in the Champions League multiple years. He did it his first year with Inter, and, of course, he's done a pretty good uh, job this year uh, for PSG in the group stages. You also get a player who's on the better side of 30, who has been very much a productive striker. So I think it's a slam dunk deal. And Inter, they had their coffers. I think, you know, they have a lot of ambition, There's a lot of players that they're going to go after. Specifically, Sandro Tonali is going to be a hot name. And I think it's probably between them and uh, Juventus for his signature. So I think there's going to be a a full-on derby on the transfer front for Tonali. But (laughs) generally speaking, I think if you look at how everything shapes up here, I think it's a pretty solid deal for both teams, all things considered.
0: Especially if you consider that Inter don't have to pay the full fee for Romelu Lukaku for another, is it 12 months? It was a two-year loan and then obligation to buy, I think, right?
1: It was something like that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a direct, you know, immediate payment. So, that's, yeah, so that also from, helps them
0: from a from an accountancy sp- uh, uh, perspective. Like, it's it's a pretty good deal, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, it they is. they uh, they they aren't looking too bad there. I mean, Inter Milan, though, Matt. For a second, where do you think some of those funds would be reinvested if they don't go for Sandro Tonali? Is it definitely a central midfielder? I mean, I look at their midfield and I see, um, you know, uh, Sensi, Ericsson, um, Brozovic. Like, is it really where they need to go?
1: I, I think it's I think there's a really good chance that Arturo Vidal um it gets reunited with Conte. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think that he's a player that would fit perfectly in that system. I think a player that sort of that, grinta, that that sort of aggressive personality, I think that's what that midfield lacks. Not saying it doesn't lack or could use a Tonali type, but I think if you look at the play the players in that midfield, you know, Barella, Sensi, Ericsson, as you mentioned. I think if you have another guy like Vidal, I think it really provides a lot of balance to that midfield. And I think Barcelona would be willing to sell at a pretty good price. I think Inter are going to be using that money quite well. I, I do, as even just as a Milan fan, but someone who's followed Calcio for quite a while, I think between Marotta and Conte, I think they're going to uh, uh, have a pretty good market. I don't think they're necessarily going to buy you know, you know, multiple 60, 70 million players, but I think you know, if you're able to get 50 million for a player that you have no use for, I, I do think that they'll be able to spin that around, I think, a central midfielder. They also could be um, you know, completing the actual outright sale of Ivan Perisic to Bayern Munich. So they're going to be recouping quite a bit of money here. And um, you know, there's also the possibility, I've, I've heard, that Diego Godin does leave after one year. So if they're able to kind of shed some wages, get rid of some unwanted players, of course, that Conte has no use for, then you start to see kind of this really big juggernaut team take shape. And I think that's kind of where Inter are headed here.
2: Yeah, um, I was just going to say on on Inter's front, I mean, look, anytime you could get upwards of 60 million euros just for a player who was not only useless um, in the locker room, he wasn't even playing on the field too. And then the fact that they don't even have to worry about him going to the rival unless they're spending upwards of, it'll probably be close to 90 million euros at that point, right? Because PSG isn't going to let him just go for a cheap, a cheap amount because PSG is very, um, I don't know, Krugel with the way they allow players to leave or they they're very strict on that policy you never really see it happen I think Inter really I think you could look out for a wing back I don't I think that might be their weakest points in with with the 3-5-2 that they play in Um, their midfield I think they would only go for Tonali if they do anything right and even then it's it's like how much guaranteed time can they really give him because they still have to develop Barella they still have Brozovic they still have Sensi if they choose to trigger that option, which is not even 100% sure on that too, right? Um, and then even to the point, what if they do sell Lautaro Martinez? I mean, because those, those rumors keep whispering around. And, you know, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. And if, if they could just flip him real quick for 60, 70 million, I mean, look, I think they're going to do it because then right there, you have 130 million just for two players. And you're, and you're going to be able to reinvest it. Now, I don't know if they're going to do that at that point, but look, knowing the way they, they operate the market, I do think they have to figure out how to get Ericsson to fit into the system because so far when he was playing, it kind of seemed like an odd fit. I don't know about you guys. It, to, to me, it just didn't seem like something that was really mm. a smooth transition like you would think it would be. Because Especially all the, on such a on big team, salary as well, right? Massive, yeah. They, I mean, they did everything they could just to get him because they didn't want him to hit free – well, it's not free agency in this, but that's (laughs) an American concern. But you didn't want him going to multiple suitors in the summer where he's a a free transfer, right, where it would be a bidding war at his wages. They paid the extra money just to get him now, so you would think they would kind of cater to his skill set. So I think, I think we could look out for something like that. And then I do think Godin is going to leave as well. It just, it's just one of those things that just didn't seem like it's a great fit. He's on uh, the worst side of 30, like uh, the term that you like to use. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I think they have some things to figure out, but I think they made a, a very strong leap in their first year, and it's just the beginning for them. Because I, I, th- I, I think that Huve is kind of in flux with – the way their market is because, I mean, mm. if they don't get to Nali and they're kind of stuck with Pjanic, I think they could only turn to Pogba. So, I mean, even then, uh, how much are they going to have to fork up for them? Is United even inclined to sell him at that point, even for a relatively fair price? I don't know.
0: I mean, if you're United and you can sell Pogba and bring in Sancho and only have to pay 20 million more, it's a no brainer, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think yeah.
0: so. If that's your option. I mean, what <laughs> where where's like Chelsea in
2: this scenario? Because I know mm. I, I keep on seeing because I was trying to get the tweet out for us on our account for Jaden Sancho <laughs> and instead of just his goal scoring celebration, the first thing that pops up next to his name is Manchester United. Yeah. Whether or not that's just the fans uh tweeting about it, it still it still shows like there's a, there's a lot of steam there. I think it's going to be also another derby for that. And he scored again, by the way. So he yeah, is too. He, he hit it with his <laughs> left foot this
0: time. Uh, <laughs> what can't he do? Yeah. Uh, I th- I think it's going to be a United transfer. I just can't see, uh, you know, Chelsea are self-run now. They don't have any Abramovich money. So <laughs> although they still have a lot of money, they don't have like Man United money. And I think uh, if you look at Chelsea's options, I know Kanan doroi is currently in this kind of... Um, uh, the allegations which we won't yeah. delve too deep into but whether if those come to become true then obviously they're down a winger right because you think he'd become imprisoned uh, they do still have Pulisic, they do still have Mount, they still have Willian and Pedro they got uh, Ziek
2: though from they've got from Ziek the- as
0: well so I mean who needs him more? I think it's United. Uh, mm-hmm. if you consider their wide options, they've got Marcus Rashford, who's kind of half winger, half nine, Anthony Martial, who can play out there. They've got Dan James, who's let's be honest, not amazing. <laughs> they've got Mason Greenwood still 17. Uh, they've got Adi Nogalo, who's still on alone. It's, you know, Matt is probably going to leave. Uh, there are not that many options out wide for them. So, uh, let's see what happens with Jaden Sancho, but it looks as though United are definitely going to be the favorites there. And it would be shock me if he went anywhere else, um, I think there's like a 90% chance he goes there if he does move in the summer. But I mean, just going back to Inter really slightly, I mean, the Eriksen move was always really strange to me because if you've got Sensi, if you've got um, all the midfielders that they do have in, uh, uh, you know, Brozovic we mentioned. Barella. Uh, Barella um, I know the the other central midfielder who I won't name because you guys aren't too much, <laughs> too big a fan of because uh, he's not very good. Um oh, but you know. Uh, uh yeah linked with Chelsea <laughs> that was the funniest transfer um link I'd seen in a while I was like mm-hmm. if they can sell him to Chelsea that would be like daylight robbery but anyway I, I think they've got a lot they've got a lot of central midfielders there like yeah. Ericsson just seemed like a really weird move for me um and then we're talking about you know selling Lautaro Martinez when they only have him and Lukaku Lukaku and uh is it uh, Esposito the young striker? Yeah, he's very young. Those, those are the only forwards. They've got an Alexis Sanchez on loan who's probably not going to stay there. Like, it seems weird few moves. I mean, there's a few Italian clubs that don't really have all the cogs that they really need or want, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think Inter are going to be one of those teams too. It's, It's going to be interesting to see if they... You know, really push on because, I, you know, from what we've heard from Ausilio, uh, Inter's director regarding Lautaro Martinez, is that you know they go they we have a, they're on good terms with Barcelona, but at the end of the day, if they want uh, Lautaro Martinez, it's got to be for the full on. Um, clause, which I think is like 111 million euro. And there, it's got to be an immediate payment, no deferred payments, no split payments. So they're standing firm on that. And they they have hold all the leverage. They hold all the cards in their hand because they obviously know that Barcelona really want him. They obviously know that Barcelona really need him or a player of his caliber of his playing ability uh, with Luis Suarez creeping up there in age and just not being um, as fit to go. So I think in turn, a really, really good position. Now, of course, there's a possibility that they keep, Latour Martinez for another year right because if you know if they, let's say things can change let's say they win the title right or let's say they finish really close and they say you know hey we have a really big ambitious summer coming we have all these top players coming we'll give it another year so inter are going to be in a very good position i think they'll be able to spend quite a bit i think they're going to shed uh, needless weight in the squad and i think ultimately they're really positioning themselves to be the anti-juve the next team up to press on for a title so it's going to be really fascinating to see what their uh, their market looks like um you know regardless of who comes in and and
0: who stays awesome well i mean go on no sorry go martino
2: no yeah i was i was just gonna say the same thing i was just gonna bring up barcelona because i remember a couple months ago i think right before the the whole stoppage happened that barcelona was rumored to have enormous debt and they they really don't have a lot of opportunity to move in the market i'm just i'm so i'm just confused as to where and how this can happen for them right like i don't like they're a lot of teams aren't going to be making money once the leagues return, right? Because you're not having any fans entering the stadium. Uh, I mean, you could assume you're only going to get a partial amount of that TV money that you would usually see. I don't know how much the contracts would be affected by it, but at the end of the day, I'm just kind of sitting here like how much sense does it make for Barcelona to really do this at that move at that price? A year after getting Griezmann for the money they did too. And he's not, and even, they got to move and
1: they got to move. always. Dembélé, who's really an uncertainty. And, oh and they're going to be returned Philippe Coutinho because Bayern aren't picking up that option. No, so I would hate be to be their sporting director. <laughs> they're going to be sitting on a lot of dead money and a lot of just... like. And are
2: they even keeping just, TK CTN too? Like, what is their managerial
1: situation? Yeah, I, I think if you ask many Barcelona fans right now, I think you Messi's... And I think that's kind of one of those things where I always kind of lean towards Messi because I think Messi's been the kind of that one player that's been able to really carry this... rocky team if you will I think there's some quality players but generally speaking like this Barcelona team isn't as good as it once was but I think Messi what he's able to do has been able to carry it through some really turbulent through some really rocky times and I think a lot of Barcelona fans if you ask them and they give you their honest opinion about what the future looks like they're very nervous about that because you know a lot of the, the Iniesta's the Javi's the PK's they're either gone or on the, in the twilight of their career and it's really just mm-hmm. messy and a lot of, you know, up in the air yeah. type players in certain areas.
2: Yeah, I don't think they have a lot of organization and they don't have the same identity that they used to. I think that's kind of what you were getting at, right? right? I mean, because to to us, it just always seems, I don't know what the sentiment over in Europe is, Pat, but over here, it's just everyone just kind of assumes Barcelona will be making these deep runs all the time. And and look, losing the way they do, it's not that they lose in the Champions League, it's the way they lose in the Champions League, it's the way they play when Messi's not on the field because they were absolutely horrible. I mean, they were they they were almost falling out deep into the title race at one point at the beginning of the season just cuz he wasn't there. And you if you look at them on paper, you're saying they should more they should be more than capable of pulling out more points than they were. And, and And it could be that Messi is that good, and I think to an extent he is, but at the end of the day, you have to start picking up points when you have all those players there and yeah i don 't know it 's going to be an interesting summer and does anyone really know what 's going to happen in terms of when the transfer season will be starting and when it 's going yeah. to be ending like how I saw a rumor that that 'll be opening up in August and ending first week of October in Italy it was like one rumor i saw they
0: should do they should do what i've advised um for any i love that (laughs) idea any fifa officials listening to this podcast which i'm sure there's loads um (laughs) they should they should just open it in august and let it let it go until january why the hell not or till uh, till february early february give teams as much flexibility as possible in the most uncertain financial times in modern history like it makes total sense and also one thing is for certain i think you know you mentioned uh what what is going to happen but one thing is for certain the teams that are most or really well set up from like a structural standpoint from a scouting standpoint from a sporting director standpoint are the ones that are going to do really really well you know uh i don't think barcelona are going to pull off many amazing moves this summer you know no. just just I, because I agree. how badly they're run uh, I don't think there are going to be that many amazing moves pulled by, yeah, you know, the likes of Barcelona, um, even Juventus, how they've been operating recently. Uh, Milan, sorry, guys, you know, I mean, I've, I'm mentioning them as well. Um, it's, you know, I, I can't see some of these clubs that don't have the structure in place wow. pulling off amazing moves. Can I see Leipzig pulling off some great moves? Probably. Yeah. Can I see Dortmund pulling off some moves? Probably. Can I see uh, Liverpool pulling off some good moves? Probably. What's the one thing in common that they've all got an Amazing structure within their football clubs, a great scouting networks, great sporting directors, and they're well-oiled machines. And some of these clubs, like the Milan's, the Arsenal's, the um, the the Juventus, the um, uh, and all the clubs that we've just mentioned, they're not really that well run. I think and Roma, they probably...
2: Romas, and I think they're in the biggest trouble in it, all of Italy. To be honest mm. with you, what are they reported almost three hundred million euros of debt? Pelota, <laughs> like the ownership is in flux again. Because Pelota doesn't know if he wants to sell. He's rejecting the latest offers from Ralph Freakin, um, not Ralph Freakin, sorry, um, George Freakin, who, who's over from Texas. And if he's not going to be selling then, then he's in flux. I think the sporting Peretrici, um, I don't even think he's 100% to return to. And then you're kind of looking at another summer where Roma's going to be selling a lot of guys, because right before this stoppage happened, Matt, you could speak to this. Roma was in a free fall. Like, they they were, the things were really getting out of hand for them. They were dropping loads of points, and YOLO got hurt with the torn ACL. I mean, it's clubs like that that are – I agree, Pet. Like, this isn't going to happen. And also to another one with City. I think City probably has one of the bigger question marks for everyone. Like, what happens with their appeal with UEFA? Does that get pushed back? Do they start playing again when the Champions League starts up um, in the fall? Because they were on their run. They just had a massive victory at the Bernabeu that could propel them um, forward in the Champions League. So to me, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And also to the FFP uh, point of view, I don't know if we want to discuss it. Like, what is the leniency in that?
0: Mm, mm, really good point.
2: Like, is, really uh, good do point. teams
0: have more of a grace period here? Are you gonna... I, think they, I think they do. I think they do. Um, I just don't know how big it is. it um, is. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of like how... Uh, how clubs maneuver in these markets. I really do think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, like, like
2: what happens to Newcastle United? Like does Newcastle have an opportunity here where they could actually really spend a lot of money that they really don't have to worry about those repercussions for a year or two down the line? You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I think it's things like that, that I think we have to take into account here. And I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. And I hope those get finalized. So, yeah. Mm.
0: Hmm. Uh, well gents i mean i I didn't think we'd have too much to talk about but as always once we get talking we sometimes don't know how to stop but uh, i do think we should stop now uh, and call an end to this episode Uh, where can people find out more about us and also yourself matt
1: you guys can follow me on twitter at matt underscore santangelo make sure you guys go out and subscribe or purchase the scattered football handbook just dropped this past week i'm featured in it also keep an eye out for my twitter timeline for the fca promotions and stuff like that we're going to be <laughs> getting that rolling this past this really this week essentially and apologies again, thing, in advance we really if we oversaturate support.
0: your uh, timeline <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: we, yeah right yeah i'll be i'm going to be a, a pest with the, the gifts and stuff i'm going to full-on roll out here but we appreciate the support you guys have given us <laughs> and that you guys will hopefully give us in this uh this next little journey for us
0: martino where can people find out more about you
2: uh yeah you guys could just follow me uh at martino Puccio. um not many american sports to talk about so you see here a bunch of football on my timeline for for the next uh few weeks or so um please subscribe comment let us know give us feedback on everything let us know if you like more of the mount rushmore content that we have we're going to be releasing Mm -hmm. the arsenal one this week i was just been so busy with it so we'll have that one out and uh So vote on that, Um, help us out and everything else. And we really appreciate all the loyal followers and listeners to the program.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, And yeah, we're going to be, you know, talking a lot about the FCA Awards soon. And um, I I really do uh, appreciate all everyone's support throughout this journey. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, It's been great um oh Jaden sanchez just saw a hat trick on that note uh <laughs> not so unfit anymore is he um anyway uh thank you very much everyone for listening uh you can follow me at pet barisha p-e-t-b-e-r-i-s-h-a have a great day everyone thanks so much for for listening and supporting and uh yeah stay safe everyone out there and uh, have a great day